We're back, and uh, today I'm hoping to conclude this piece that has been titled, What is Man? Reclaiming the Original Purpose of Humanity on the Earth. I'm changing things up a little bit tonight. Not that you will know it. Um, the venue this evening is my basement. Um, changing things up. I was hoping to go out to my barn today, and uh, it just never happened. Um, so daylight has come and gone, and uh, there's no power in my barn. So uh, as of yet, anyway, I'm working on that. Um, that's in the thought process, if nothing else. But uh, I am uh, down by myself in the basement. My uh, podium tonight is a very large box, and uh, we are high-tech around here, um, which again will hopefully enable us to uh, hear the message more than the messenger and what the content is more so than how it's brought to you. Um, I really do believe there's value in that. Uh, quick recap. Um, surely, if you have made it all the way here to part five, um, Presumably, you've been along the way where we opened up the idea of thought um, about why we're here, the, like the condition of the body of Christ on the earth, um, appropriately looking at her lack, her distraction, her deception, um, how the majority of, of humanity has lost its way. Um, it's not just the world. It's not just the patterns of the world. Um, the problem is the patterns of the world have infiltrated the church because she has lost, I would say, her identity. Um, because once you lose your identity, once you lose your purpose, once you forget why you're even here, you look for another reason to exist. You look for another purpose. And so I believe she has done that, and uh, as I shared, I believe in part one, um, my generation has seen a grasping, if you will, of identity, trying to find who we are as, as followers of Jesus, um, and of course we've landed on social justice Jesus and political Jesus and... Um, Self-help Jesus, um, individual advancement Jesus, and uh, we've just lost the intent of the garden creation reality. We've just lost that. We've missed it. And of course, as I keep reiterating, that's the purpose of this entire message is this whole series is for us, if nothing else, to give ourselves again to re-entering the garden of God reality that Jesus came to enable us and sent the Holy Spirit to then empower us to re-enter that garden of God intimacy, free from sin, free from shame, free from hiding, righteous men in the image of the Creator, 
executing dominion and rule on the earth, putting the earth once more under his subjection, under the lordship of Yahweh, creator God. So we looked at the timeline when we first started out. Of course, we looked at the garden, Genesis 1, went all the way, all the way to uh, Jesus, his ascension, um, the sending of the Holy Spirit, the church age. You know, we fast forwarded all the way to, to where we are here in 2019. We talked about in the beginning who ruled and reigned the earth, how God gave dominion to man. Man, of course, abandoned that dominion. He gave it away by his um, rejection of the command of God, by his disobedience, and thereby giving Satan, who was not by God's design, a king and a ruler, but instead his dominion was handed to him. Um, It was given by the one who possessed the keys, if you will, to the government of God on the earth, handed over to the devil as he deceived Eve and thereby led Adam astray. We established that his origin was as as an angel to be a messenger, to be a servant. He was not created to be the arch rival, um, you know, the the ultimate villain enemy of God. He was created to serve God. All authority that he has was taken by Jesus, the Christ, the perfect God-man who lived the sinless, righteous life that even when he was led astray, led away, to be clear, led away, And tempted by the devil in every possible way after 40 days of not feeding his natural man. In his weakness of flesh, the devil tempted him and offered him what was rightfully his because first Adam surrendered it. And last Adam, Jesus said, no thank you. I'm not here to rule and reign the temporal earth. I'm not here to rule and reign the kingdoms of men. I'm not interested because you're basically offering me nothing in compared to what I already rule and reign. In case you have forgotten, devil, I was there before the foundations of the earth that the kingdoms of men were established upon. There's so much within that reality, brothers. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What Jesus was being offered and what is offered to men today that is no different than what was offered to Jesus is so minuscule and small in light of the eternal purposes of God even for men. Because everything we are to walk in and execute and walk under the jurisdiction of the government of God on this earth is only to lead us and point us and to be a type and a shadow of what is to come. That we have been given the gift. We have been given the awesome privilege and opportunity to 
begin to practice walking in dominion of the government of God in this earth, that will pass away. This is not the epitome of our purpose or of our, of our creation, really. But we are, for a brief time, in bodies of flesh, in a natural world, on a natural earth, greatly limited, much fallen, but still, by God's grace and His kindness and His goodness and His giving of Himself to redeem mankind, has given us the opportunity to enter into a kingdom of God on the earth foretaste of what is to come in fullness. New heaven and a new earth will descend, people. And we will somehow rule and reign with Him. And I'm no scholar to tell you exactly what we'll be doing, but it's going to be way more awesome than this. But may we not neglect the this. May we not be a Beulah land people where all we're doing is trying to tread water and breathe a little bit up above the surface and just keep me alive, Jesus, until I'm out of this wretched world. No! How lowly of an approach of walking in the dominion of God on the earth. In our age. Jesus didn't walk around just hating this world from a sense of like having no purpose within it. Yes, he always said, how much longer will I have to be with you unbelieving people? God looks on the earth and says, where in the world is their faith on the earth? Yes, this is a depraved, fallen world. Absolutely. But may we not be so dead set on some heavenly place that, oh God, just please free me from these wretched evil people down here who do not know you like I do. There's, there's something that I'm not in this present moment articulating the way that I believe and the way that I see it, other than we cannot just sit down and plug our ears and cover our eyes and go la 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 la, pretending that this world needs to just go away. Take me Jesus, take me Jesus. We have been left unto a purpose. Unto a purpose. Is there a hope set before us? Yes and amen. Do we long to be clothed in the fullness that lies before us? Absolutely. Can I wait to be free from this stinking wretched body of stinking flesh? Oh my gosh, am I ready for that? But here is the key to the reality of the not yet. I have the opportunity to live out that scripture about the manifold wisdom of God. The revelation and culmination that all of creation longs to see and groans for. Bodies of flesh and blood 
yielded unto death, no longer loving their life so much that they hold onto it so tightly and just wish for some relief, but walk rightly confident because an identity is rooted and established in the last Adam, Jesus, who came and showed us the new and living way. He instituted a way, brothers, for us to walk in. He did not just come as a natural, physical man and do some good stuff so that we can receive Him and go to Beulah land. He walked a path. He walked a way. He established and carved out a way. I talked to my mother this morning who has been looking. I can't remember the scripture right now. I can't remember what it was she was sharing. It was so profound. It was a word study she was doing. Maybe I'll remember while I'm talking. But it's basically talking about following in the pattern of Jesus. And I believe it was the Greek understanding of like when a teacher in stone would carve out letters, the students would come after him and take a, you know, what we would call a pen or, or whatever the case, a writing device, and he would follow the engraved patterns of the teacher and thereby learn that ability to write those letters, to draw those patterns. Like, and there's something about that that I want to look into that more so. But should that be true, that is a very vivid depiction to me of what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come just to instruct us some good things to try to apply if we try hard enough. He literally said, follow me. Come into my patterns. Don't try to just be social justice Jesus who writes every wrong in a nation of men, but literally follow the spirit of Jesus, the, 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 the outflow of the lifestyle of last Adam. A life of denial. A life of a kingdom not of this world. And that's the invitation to us. So to get back into reviewing real quick, or else this is never going to be a conclusion. We looked at transfer. That we have been transferred, we've been moved from a dominion of darkness into a kingdom of light. And y'all, I've, I've got I've to take this sidetrack again during a men's prayer time. I believe it was yesterday morning. There was just something visual in my mind about that scripture because I've been looking at it and meditating on it and the transference and the moving from one area of living and jurisdiction into something else. And I just had this visual in my imagination this morning, about that reality. And we've all heard stories of, of men who were imprisoned, whether it was war captives or martyrs or just history in general, where men who were in 
confinement by themselves in a dungeon or in a cave or in any place that would be considered completely solitary and dark and sealed and quiet by themselves and how those men would literally go insane, that they would lose their mind because the only thing they had there was themselves. They had nothing that their eyes could see. There was no sound for them to take in and and process and hear. And they would often just hear their heartbeat. All they would hear was the beat of their own heart and their own breathing in their body And they would go crazy. And I just really felt there was something to that in my thinking that through. That that's really the reality of the stronghold and the slavery of the life of sin under the domain of darkness. Enslaved, isolated by yourself, and all you can hear is yourself, you have no, nothing in your line of sight, nothing that penetrates your ears, just self and darkness. And that's where we were. That's where, if you have not been regenerated, That's where you now reside. Everyone who is under the influence of the enemy and in the dominion of darkness, I believe that's an applicable visual, if you will, of that reality. I can say, sure, sure, absolute confidence, that was my life. That solidifies in me, I believe, how I lived. And I've been transferred to a kingdom of light. And I see that as a spacious area, the kingdom of light. We're told in Revelation that at the culmination of the ages, the new Jerusalem, as we just referenced, there will be no need for the sun. God himself, eternal Yahweh, will be the light that permeates everything because there's no darkness in him. There's no shadow. There's nothing hiding under a crack or crevice. There is none anymore. There is no darkness. There will be no darkness. Perfect light. And we have been transferred into that kingdom. A dominion and government that is ruled and reigned by perfect, no darkness in him, God. The freedom to see, to take in. Imagine what we will see. Imagine what our unrestrained, free from sin and curse eyes will behold. Oh my goodness. Nothing but the pure, perfect light of Creator God. That the entire new earth will be literally illuminated by a being. And that, brothers, is what we have been transferred to now. 
Freedom to be who I am. Freed by Jesus the Christ who was the one who established that for me to even enter into. I am free to see and to hear and to feel and to be a man of light. And in light, nothing dark can remain. Everything is exposed and laid bare for what it is. And can we not say that's why the body of Christ has to come out from her shroud? She has to come out from her covering and veil. As far as in regards to hiding and preserving and keeping herself hidden away in an unsafe way, in an unbiblical way. Yes, there are things that have yet to be revealed. Yes, there, is, there are scriptures unending about the hidden beauty, and that is yet to be revealed, and those types of things. But I'm talking about as far as like our giving ourselves to being abandoned to one another, the confession life within the body, the constant laying oneself bare to say, you know what, here I am. Jesus, shine your light on me. Shine your light on me through these brothers. Because I may not see it. And valuing that and believing that walking in that pattern helps us be prepared for that day when we are laid bare before the Creator and no thing can be hidden. If we've already established, established that as a pattern here, how much easier, if you will... It won't be easy, but how much more positioned will we be to be laid bare before the Creator if we have already been doing that in greater incremental ways until we meet Him? We looked at Acts 26, Paul sharing a bunch of things. To open the eyes of people so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan unto God. Part four, I got talking about Ananias and Sapphira. What if they came to our church, to our gatherings, and saw us? Would we be embarrassed or would, we, or would they be able to enter in? Like truly enter in and see us as, as, as themselves. Yes, they died a horrible death and disobedience, but we're no better than them. Let me see if I can bring this to a conclusion. Is this part five? I don't know. I've lost track. Most of it's scripture. I could probably just read if I kept myself from expounding any more than I already am. So the last thing we left off in part four was talking about revelation. And the people who overcame the accuser of the brethren because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They didn't love their life even when faced with death. And I challenged us at the end of part four that that can be us now. That we can begin to practice that now. We can begin to be men who don't love our life unto death 
And so we, of course, have talked throughout this um, about Jesus being tempted. There's so much within that that, like, all this dominion stuff is really just, it permeates that account in the Gospels. And in Jesus' rejection of receiving from Satan all that was handed over to him, he made a clear distinction that he was not simply interested in limited earthly dominion alone. He knew he had descended to take on the form of man. He knew he had already sat enthroned over every principality and power. He knew he was high above every earthly king or kingdom, surely. In simple terms, Jesus was being offered a cup of water. Okay, we're talking like quantity of what Satan was trying to offer Jesus. It was like him being offered a cup of water when he already possessed the oceans of the entire earth. He knew he was being offered a grain of sand when he already ruled the entire universe seen and unseen. It had no place in Jesus. If Jesus had any physical strength at all, he was probably like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you joking? Have you forgotten where you started, Satan? Earthly reign and dominion to Jesus was so small. That's why the Jews hated him. That's why he was murdered by those people who were closer to God than anybody at the time. Because Jesus made no earthly sense. No kingdoms of men sense. There was no immediate gain in following Jesus. And that's why he was despised. That's why he was hated by the elite of God. They knew God. We have to acknowledge that. Those men knew the law. They knew it. They had attained it. They had achieved the goal. And taught other men how to do so. But they could not give themselves over to the transference of, of ages when Jesus came. They missed the whole culmination of everything they had learned. They had missed everything that was prophesied when it stood right in front of their faces. And if we're not careful, we will do the same thing. Do we think we're better than the Pharisees? Do we think we know better? Are we not aware that the scriptures tell us that even the elite will fall away? Have you asked yourself that question with regularity? God, is there any of that in me? If we are prophesied that it is absolute, concrete, factual, that the elite of God will fall away in the last days, do we do a check on ourselves with regularity to say, God, show me if that's me. Show me if I'm being led astray. Show me if I'm missing it in these last days. Or do we really believe we're so above that that we're untouchable? We've gone too far, seen too much, done enough for God that we're good? 
May it never be. Because the kingdoms of men wanted an earthly king. And it's the same today. We want a godly Christian kingdom where we get what we want because we're Christians in it. We want a natural king, Jesus. And Jesus says, guys, he's saying today the same thing. You're thinking too small. You're thinking too limited, church. You've got to expand your understanding. You've got to put on your spiritual man mind of Christ and get to thinking eternally again. Jesus showed all of mankind, all of creation, as well as every principality and power that he had come to redeem the willful deception of first Adam. And he had come to restore the opportunity to men to renounce the curse of sin and thereby reclaim the dominion on the earth. And I'm going to read that again. And if you want some cheesy sermon notes, pay attention to the capital R's. Jesus showed mankind, all of creation, all principalities and powers, that he had come to redeem the willful deception of first Adam. And he had come to restore the opportunity for men to renounce the curse of sin and thereby reclaim the dominion on the earth that God intended in the beginning. That is a mouthful. And that's why Jesus came, not to give us good ideas. Mark 8, 23. Jesus was in the boat. Disciples followed him. There's a great storm on the sea. Jesus was doing what? Makes no sense. He's sleeping. Who is this guy, right? They woke him up. Save us, Lord. We're dying. What are you doing asleep? Can't you see? Jesus, stirred from slumber, I'm sure. Why are y'all so afraid? You men of little faith. Jesus stood up and he rebukes the winds and the sea and they became calm. And the men were what? His followers, his closest friends who should have caught on by then. But yet understandably had not because who in the world ever walked and lived as this man Jesus? They said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. What kind of man? What kind of man is this? Well, he's a man with a clear conscience. He's a man rooted and established in the unseen. He was a man walking empowered in dominion over everything on the earth. Why? Because he was blameless, he was free, he was righteous, he was not lorded over by sin and death. He didn't love his life unto death. Instead, he was a victorious overcomer in every single thing that he did. 
Everything because of those things was subject to him. And if I'm in him, if he now is my king that I live under, and he rules the government that I operate in, Should I not be tired of being ruled over and deceived by the powers of the air? Jesus was the redeemer of what? He redeemed what had been surrendered. Galatians 4. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he doesn't differ at all from a slave. Although he's owner of everything, he is under guardians, he's under managers until the date set by the father. We're talking natural things. We're talking a natural child, an heir. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Okay? The government patterns of the world. The way the world operates when we were children. We were in bondage to those things. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the capital L law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, therefore, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to what? The elemental things of the world. But instead, you are a son. And if, 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 if a son, then an heir through God. We'll get right to another scripture, and this is Ephesians 2. And I was sent this version as I posed some questions to different people throughout the last month or so when I first started this about six weeks ago. And I believe it was my dad who sent me the classic amplified version of this text, and it just really got me because I love word study. I love elaborating the Scripture and really getting to the intent of what the author was saying in the full capacity that I can get it. Please pay attention. It's, it's several verses. And you he made alive when you were dead and slain by your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually. Do you remember when that was your life, friend? Do you remember that is who you were? I do. I remember when that was me. I remember walking habitually in trespasses and sin and dead because of them. I remember that. You were following the course and fashion of the world. You were under the sway of the tendency of this present age. Following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. 
Who are the careless, rebellious, and unbelieving who go against the purposes of God? Among these, we, as well as you, once lived. Hey, that was me too, is what he's saying. We used to do that too. We conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior was governed by our corrupt and sensual nature. We were obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind. Our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then, by nature, children of God's wrath and heirs of His indignation, like the rest of mankind. The, la- the first Adam generations. Paul was saying this is one blanket statement for all of humanity Clear as a bell, cut and dry, black and white. This is humanity. He goes on in verse 4. But God, so rich is He in mercy, exclamation point, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us, praise God for that verse. Even when we were dead, Slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, He made us alive, together in fellowship, in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself. The same new life with which He quickened Him for. It is by grace, His favor and mercy, which you do not deserve, that you are saved and delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And He raised us up together with Him, and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with Him in the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. My goodness! I could read that all night, over and over, until I go hoarse. Is that the change we have experienced? Is that your salvation, friend? Is that what you have experienced? Can you hear those things and say, yes, amen, that is my Jesus, the Redeemer. That is the grace of my God. Rich in mercy. I was a deprived, sinful, wretched, dictated by my senses and dark imaginings. Have we forgotten what happened to us when we were moved from death to life? Do we walk in that reality of remembering Him as we first knew Him? I pray you do. I pray I continue to. I'm not going to get this concluded today. May we give ourselves to looking at the way of Jesus. Not enamored with the kingdoms of men. 
What was offered to Jesus is what is offered to you and me every single day, which is live by, be operated by, be motivated under, be guided and persuaded by the patterns of the world. The kingdoms of the world can be yours, says Satan himself. This is all mine. Say the word and it's yours. That is what is being presented to the very body of Christ today. If he came and told that to Jesus, do you think you're above being told that same lie as a Christian? He went to the Son of God and offered him that. May we be sober and alert. And when we ask this question, when we read about Jesus, and when we walk in the manner as He walked, and when we walk by the Spirit of Christ, which is that dead man reality, may we just say, who is this man? But may we answer that question. Just like David answered the what is man reality. Who is this man? And then as I said in great length just moments ago, this is who this man is. And because I'm in that man, because I'm in him, not a mere man, Because I'm now these things these scriptures say about that reality of being in Christ, hidden in God. There is something for me to walk in that I have not yet walked in and under. I want to be a man who walks under the dominion of the government of God. And I want to be an ambassador for him to implement that here in my household, and in this community, and in my region, and all the way to places where mere men don't walk and talk and interact because it's a spiritual realm where principalities and powers hear what I'm saying and see what I'm doing. I don't beg their attention. I'm not saying, hey, look at me, watch out. I believe that's stupidity and ignorance and immaturity. But I believe that when we walk as these men, restoring the government and order of God on the earth, that we start to get into something eternal. So may you be challenged by that tonight. I'm, I'm so thankful that people are listening to this. It blows my mind that people are listening. May it be more than just words. May it be more than just something that makes us excited. May it change us. <sighs> My plan is to conclude this next time. I'm running out of pages, so we're almost done. I've already got something else I want to start recording on, so I've got to get this done. Thank you for listening. If you believe this is any bit of truth, if this is any bit of anything good, I'm asking you to please share this with someone. Don't mention my name. Don't tell them about 
Me, if you know me, it's not about that. It's about, if this is something that you believe is like, something in you is stirred beyond just like, wow, that's encouraging, brother. If there's something about it, we have to get to a place of, of sharing that with others. Of saying, I found something here. I believe it's a treasure of great price. I believe it's worth selling everything we have to attain. Would you like to look at it? Would you see if you feel the same way? Because we have to realize that is the history of the church. That's why the church grew exponentially at the outset. Because there was demonstration after demonstration after demonstration. And power, 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 something of life was coming out. And people saw it and they said, I don't know what that is, but I want it. Tell me more. And let's be honest, most of the church today is not in a tell me more place. May we be in a tell me more, please. Life. If you're still hanging on at 45 minutes, amen. We'll conclude next time. What is man reclaiming the original purpose of humanity on the earth?